What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, everywhere. Welcome to Take the Black Live, the one and only show on the internet where we talk about the things that matter, like uh, sci-fi, fantasy, swords, uh, space lasers, movies, and television. I am Dan Selke, the editor of WinnerIsComing.net, and Daniel Roman, our usual co-host, is still out. He'll be back later this week, but he's still out for a little bit longer. So stepping in is entertainment uh, publication extraordinaire, and my boss, Natalie Zamora. Natalie, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. Excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for coming in. It's, it's, it's always fun to talk to you and always fun to talk to all of you out there. Thanks for commenting. Hello, Monica. Hello, Katie. Christian, Monica again. Good to see you all. And Natalie, you came on a good day. Okay, we have, a, we have quite a few folk in the chat, probably because I advertised this with House of the Dragon release date and Willowtime release date. So <laughs> let's just get right to that. Let's get the folk what they want. And I'll start by admitting that I lied. Um, I a we don't bit. have an exact. I mean, a little bit, not completely. <laughs> we don't have an exact like House of the Dragon season two release date, but we do have some new information. Apologies if some of you were expecting a bit more than that. Basically, an HBO executive named Francesca Orsi talked to Deadline recently and talked about a whole lot of stuff. Like kind of some interesting stuff, like she's talking about how the writer strikes affecting things, how The Last of Us probably isn't going to get started as soon as they wanted it to. And yes, she did mention that they're targeting a summer 2024 House of the release date for House of the Dragon season two. Yay. Yay. <laughs> Does that sound about right to you, Natalie? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think we knew definitely, hopefully 2024. I know. You know, they're still filming through the writer's strike. So I mm -hmm. thought we would still get it. But summer is good. We like summer. And the first season came out in summer in August. Yeah. Um, the older I get, the, the the happier I am to stay inside and watch dragons during the summer <laughs> and not go outside. <laughs> um, but it's, it's so hot in August anyway. But yeah, yeah, basically, and 
they've made a real point to not slow down during the writer's strike. They, they really want this big thing on their roster to come out next summer. And I mean, so far it's going according to plan and we'll see what happens if um, actors join the strike. But yeah, summer 2024. Oh. I, I wrote 2025 here, but I got it wrong. So summer 2024 is what they're targeting. And yeah. according to Orsi, uh, we think that the audience will be just as pleased, if not more so. We haven't been in production for too long, but what I've seen is pretty extraordinary. Um, we are proud of seeing how those scripts are coming alive. The emotionality that the cast is bringing to it is something that we feel confident with and know that we're going to deliver something special. Now, one question I, I've, I've had and I have for you is, so the writers are on strike. We all know this. The House of the Dragon is filming without them. And we've been talking about like, so does that mean that because usually if writers are not on strike and they're on set, they can make edits while they're shooting. They can rewrite scenes. They can write new scenes as needed. They can correct things that don't make sense that are only caught then. Um, and we've wondered, like, how how will that affect the finished product? Orsi did comment on that. And I'd love to hear what you think if it's satisfactory. Orsi said, as for the strike... If there's anything that needs to be rewritten or reshot, we'll handle that after the strike and we'll put the resources behind revising what we need to do and reshooting what we need to do if we've made any mistakes along the way. So, Natalie, is this um, a reasonable satisfactory answer or is this an executive trying to put a Band-Aid on a shotgun wound? Both, probably. I think it depends. <laughs> you know, it all comes down to how long the strike is going to last. It really if does. If they want to do rewrites and reshoots, I mean, that's a big deal. Uh, so if they're, you know, completed with it and it's the end of the year, uh, I don't know how much time they're going to have to do these rewrites and reshoots. So I don't know. I'm trying to stay positive about it, but as more time yes. goes on, I'm getting a little worried. It is. I mean, because we've heard nothing about movement, right? I mean, mm -hmm. like, I, I think it was um, George R. R. Martin, who was on the picket lines this week in New Mexico mm -hmm. about the writer's strike. And he said, I mean, like, they haven't even come to the table yet. I mean, yeah. with the debt ceiling stuff in Washington, at least you hear about them talking a lot and it being acrimonious. We've heard like we've seen writers are striking and there's been no movement anywhere. The mm -hmm. last one lasted 100 days. Um, who knows how long this will last? I mean, maybe it'll go straight through the end of shooting into the reshoot time. It, it's just impossible yeah. to know. Yeah, it definitely could. So I don't know. They said they'll put money into it if they need to more money into, you know, fixing things. So we'll see, because I really do think this is going to be the big show of 2024 because <laughs> everything point. else is getting pushed back. Yeah. So they yeah. better put all the money in there. <laughs> oh, H oh, it's gonna make HBO so happy. No one else is going to have anything. Yeah. <laughs> it's just going to be them. They're going to be so, so pleased unless it's either. rough. Sorry. And they won't have anything else. Like the last of us pushed back euphoria mm -hmm. pushed back. This is their thing. It's going to be a lame year, but, you know, at least House of Dragon will be there. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's going to be tricky. And just just for the record, Take the Black uh, throws in its vote with these striking writers. So we're going to throw all our considerable power behind that. Hope you guys get a fair deal. Go writing. Um, mm -hmm. Orsi also talked about uh, cutting the second season of House of the Dragon down from 10 episodes 
to two. All right, I'm sorry, to eight by two to eight. Eight ten minus two is equals eight. Um, saying that there was some question about the narrative shape of season two. So we're developing it with Ryan Condal and executive producer Sarah Hess. And we realized that we were sort of treading water narratively in the middle of the season. So it felt much more rigorous, more urgent emotional arc for our characters if we can press the season. And then that also dictated how we would kick off season three. I love parsing out things that executives say and trying to see if there's some kind of ulterior motive to it. Natalie, when you hear that, do you hear, okay, they're trying to get make tell the best story possible and it makes sense to go from 10 to eight episodes or are you hearing they messed up everything <laughs> um it was a complete disaster and they had to salvage something this is what they came out of the foot with oh i don't know i hope it's not the second i might be too optimistic with these things but i know a lot of people were mad when it came out that oh there's going to be only eight episodes not 10 I think it's fine. Like it it's not. Fine, that, yeah. I don't know. Six would probably be annoying, but eight. Sure. I think eight is fine. Um, I think that when execs come out and give these interviews, they are trying to save face, and they're obviously just going to say the nicest thing possible. But I don't think there's a, <laughs> there's anything bad going on. I think eight episodes. I'm going to try to trust that it makes sense because I'm sure, like. I mean, I can't even imagine, I'm sure you would be good at this, but I could not imagine mapping out fire and blood, especially just because of the oh, way that it's, yeah, you could, but the way that it's like not a narrative story, like ha- having to say like, okay, all this is in season one, this is in season two, this is in se- season three, maybe season four, like that just sounds very difficult. That's probably why it's not my job, but so I'm just going to trust them. Season one was good. So it was, it was. Be positive. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at this point, they've earned, I think, the benefit of the doubt. And, 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 and that's what I'm giving them. I guess I want to be pessimistic. I spend I too much time thinking about this kind of thing. I could totally map out season two, three, four. I kind of want to do it in an article. It's one of my plans that I'm going to yeah. just like put up in every episode. But that, that's that's for the future. Um, but that's my sickness. And <laughs> no one else should really have ha- have to worry about it. Christian can watch enough sports to be entertained. Well, good for you, Christian. Some of us don't know the difference between a volley um, sack and a hockey ball. So we <laughs> we can't do anything. So no. I'm going to have to like read a book or something in 2024, which I don't want to do. Although um, if Brecken into a corner, if Daniel were here, I'm sure he'd have no problems <laughs> reading books. Like I said, reality or- TV. Terrible reality TV is what we'll have. I don't feel like I've ever. No, it's not. Try watch Drag Race. So that that's yeah. my big reality love. Do you have any reality loves, uh, Natalie, like reality shows that you really like? Not really. I mean, I really like Queer Eye, but I didn't even watch this new season. So fake fan. I watched the Bachelor <laughs> stuff here and there, but I can't say I'm a fan of it. I think I'd like to show everybody who watches The Bachelor acts of it. Although if anybody in the comments has a different opinion, uh, feel free to tell. I'd be curious. If it says I could watch Outlander, I could. That's true. Yeah, I will finally catch up on Outlander. And Saiganisha over on YouTube says, I doubt the strike lasts till November when filming ends. They'll have time before July 2024 release. It'll be mostly pickup shots and minor scene changes, not massive restructuring, no time jumps. Saiganisha, by the way, your comments are always like very informed. Um, So thank you for that. Thank you for everybody who's commenting. But you sound like industry. (laughs) Maybe you work at House. Ooh, that'd be interesting. We'll talk later, Saiganisha. And as Christian says, my household, as it should be. And thank you, Andrew, for the comment about the gavel. I enjoy the gavel as well. The thing comes off, too. Uh, uh. 
This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Anyway, some other little stray bits of news about House of the Dragon season two. We learned some casting stuff. We got Eddie. Oh dear. Um, Eddie Ear. Eddie Ear. Uh, who played Sir Gerald Hightower, a bit role in Game of Thrones. He was a... Remember that scene where it was like a brand flashback and young Ned Stark fought a guy with who was dual-wielding swords? Mm-hmm. Like, Gerald Hightower was another dude in that scene. I don't think he that even was had a line. the Arthur Dane yeah, scene. Right? Arthur yeah, Arthur Dane. <laughs> the strongest fighter. The best According fighter. to ChatGPT, yeah, he was the strongest fighter. And, and I'm not arguing with the robot. I want to get in good with that guy <laughs> if I want to take over. Um, but yeah, Eddie Ayer is going to be in House of the Dragon in an as yet undisclosed role, which, which is fine because they've had other like minor Game of Thrones folk also play House of the Dragon folk. Oh, I think that the guy who plays the Lannister twins in House of yeah. the Dragon was a squire in Game of Thrones. So that's fine. That's cool. Um, any comments on that? Good for him. At first, Good I was like, him. wait, he's not playing the same role, right? And then I was like, okay, the math, no, it's not mathing. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, there's no way. Maybe. No. I don't, and then uh, also, we think we we think we have the casting for uh, Blood, who is... So there's a big thing coming up called Blood and Cheese. I don't think I'm going to explain it, just because I feel like we talk about it so often on here. Yeah. But um, it's coming in season two. It's a big event. It's... People have... Are, it, I'm sure they'll put effort into doing it. And we know that Mark Stoppard is going to play Cheese, who is a former Red Keep rat catcher. And this gentleman, a six foot five guy named Sam C. Wilson, will play Blood, a former soldier, current mercenary. I don't I'm going to guess he's British. But um, I know he's six foot five, and that sounds about right. So Blood's like a big bruiser mercenary guy. You read Fire and Blood now, Natalie, right? Yes, yes. So yeah. I know all about this situation. <laughs> it's happened so quick. I mean, yeah, it, it happened so fast in the book. Um, it's kind of weird that it's taken on this like life among fans as like the mm-hmm. thing to get to because it's really it goes by very quickly, but it is pretty intense and brutal. Um. If you were House the Dragon producers, would you make a big deal of this event? Make it a big episode ender cliffhanger kind of thing? Yes, definitely. I hope they make it as dramatic, dark, and crazy <laughs> as possible. That's how I felt reading uh, Fire and Blood. Mm. I kind of just felt like I was getting whiplash because there's so many crazy moments, especially once the war gets going. That's like, I'm like, okay, I'm reading like two pages and there's like probably two seasons of a show in here. <laughs> but so, yeah, this was a moment that I was like, this is going to be awesome on TV while reading it. It was, you know, kind of crazy, but I think it'll be better on TV. I love that you want it to go for the jugular and the darkness and everything. That's, that's one of your best qualities, I think. <laughs> I think this book would be a blast to adapt because I don't know, it's like it, it's this sketchy kind of skeleton that you get to build out. And it's yeah. why I get irritated when they diverge so much from the thing, because there's it's it's all pretty simple. You know, it, you know, 
you don't have to work very hard to stick close to this. Like you don't yeah. need to bullet point. It's, it's all, it, yeah, it's already bullet points. You could already fill in a lot. It's not hard to stick close to it, but again, that's my sickness and that's another story. <laughs> um, but yeah, a lot of stuff happening. And what they also, uh, Orsi also talked about a night of the seven kingdoms, which I still haven't read. I'm probably going to do that soon. Oh, I thought um, I have not. I'm actually not. Daniel is the reader in the Wick family. He, sure, th- that guy inhales so. books. I mean, I'm a reader, but I'm not that. I, 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 D- Daniel reads yeah. books like a vacuum eats dust. Like he just <laughs> hoovers them up. Um, I'm reading books, but I'm not as voracious as him. But anyway, they're making, but now I have to read this because they're going to make right. a TV show out of it. And I want to because it seems good. But uh, basically, Francisco Orr said that as far as the other Game of Thrones spinoff, A Night of the Seven Kingdoms goes, there are currently three novellas out. Martin wants to write more, but I mean, who put no stock in that because why, <laughs> why would anybody trust it at this point? Uh, and they want to make three scenes out of three novellas, like short six episode things. And she also said that what they like is that because this series is kind of smaller scale, there are no dragons, they're all dead. They won't be reborn for another 50, 60 years or something, it, it'll be a bit smaller in scale and they can turn it around a little faster. So that's kind of the thinking there, mm. which um, makes some sense. Sure. And won't be as much of the effects, just uh, lots of fun costumes and uh, kudos to all the Renaissance Fair folk who will be gainfully employed by the show. Mm. It'll be less exciting, though. No dragons. I guess. I don't know. I, I believe if they could just, I haven't read the book, so I don't know exactly yeah, what yeah. happens in them, but if they can find ways to succession doesn't have any dragons, but people are still thrilled about that. We'll talk about that in a second. And finally, they said that the Jon Snow show, folk won't know about that, but they haven't, they don't know anything. They haven't ordered it. They don't know if they will order it. Stop asking. We'll talk to you when we know something. Yes. I don't know how I feel about it. I feel like I know it's probably not a good idea, but I just want this character back. So I want it selfishly, even though it might be a train wreck. So I don't know. I don't want it. I yeah, think two is I, I think two, I, I think two is good. I think two spin-offs is enough. I I, want I don't want them one. to really uh, I mean should that be fun? But how but about later. like after? Yeah. I definitely I, I just I, I've said this a million times. I'm repeating myself. I'm guilty, but um, <laughs> I just don't want them to do what Marvel and Star Wars is doing and have eight oh, out at the same time. I just don't. I, I want them to. Two is good. And then maybe yeah. later get with Kit Harrington when he's like 45 and you um, <laughs> can <laughs> catch up a middle age Jon Snow. I'm sure. He, 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 he seemed to like it. As Martha says, the thing I liked about Game of Thrones is that you got to know the characters. I'm not sure about other spinoffs and so many other characters. I agree. Like, I want more. I'm enjoying more, but I just don't want them to overload me and um, maybe go into control and delete mode. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's what's happening in Westeros. As always, what a fun time everyone is having. Um, we also got good news, and we got an actual firm release date for another big fantasy show, which I know that you've watched and enjoyed more or less, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the Wheel of Time, based on Robert Jordan and Brenda Sanderson's 14-book long epic fantasy series published between like the early 90s and the mid-2010s. First season came out a couple of years ago on Amazon Prime. It was divisive, but I liked it. I think, I, I think enough folk liked it, and the second season is coming on September 1st, which I'm excited about. I really liked this show. I thought it was earnest a little. It's 
kind of scratches that fantasy age, but it's different enough from Game of Thrones and Lord of the Rings. It doesn't feel like you're just completely retreading something. Mm-hmm. And I want to know what happens next to this fun cast of characters. How about you, Natalie? Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited that we finally have the release date. Um, I I did enjoy the first season, but I think I need to go back and rewatch it because I don't remember a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like there might have been a few episodes I was on my phone, admittedly. Sure. Um, but I enjoyed it, so I will be watching season two, definitely. It went down easy. I enjoyed it. And it has, it has fans, like as Monica says, my favorite series ever, Wheel of Time. Like this series does have fans and I feel like it could be a breakthrough hit. Um, It's not quite there yet, but it's close. And we have some images here. We got, I did not write down the actor names. Why didn't I do that? We have Josh. I'm going to do it from memory. We have Josha Stradowski. It might be his name as um, Randall Thor. I know the character on the actors. (laughs) The main guy, he's in a hood, classic fantasy murder hoodie um great for that he's on the run in this season good for him we have oh boy i mean from memory we have donald finn i mm-hmm. think i think who is so. playing matt and he is replacing the character who played him in the actor played him in season one barney harris i think i'm doing really good yeah um right. barney harris is out donald finn which might be his name is in um he's a main character and that doesn't happen a whole lot like you have a whole new actor playing a character but it happens occasionally and um so i don't know what happened with the first guy it's a mystery something 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 COVID. um but this is what's happening now and finally a final image of i'm not even gonna try their actors but you know some some kooky fantasy uh characters we got the sean chen civilization those masks there we got loyal in the back the big tree person who I love in the book and the evil dark one in the front. Oh, what fun. Um, I liked it. I'm glad it's coming back. I want to watch more. And it looks like folk in the chats are excited about it too. As Monica says, Donald Finn a better fit. Um, she doesn't even care about it being changed to potential. I agree. And Saganisha says, I didn't know anything about Willow Time before the show premiere. Checked it out and I thought it was all right. I agree. I'm not talking about season two, especially since it was like 1.5 years since season one. I'm going to watch, though, September 1st. <laughs> September 1st. Do you remember, like, anything about the first season or just that you enjoyed it? Or do you have anything, like, specifically you're looking forward to? Um, I feel like I maybe was paying attention more at, like, the start of the series because I was very mm. much, like, I think I was, like, helping out with some articles. So I was like, I don't know anything yeah, about the world. So let me pay attention and, like, take notes <laughs> because, you know, the world building I had to get familiar with. But... I did. I did really like the characters, and I thought some of the scenes were shot really nice. Like the, the cinematography was good. I'm sure because Amazon they paid money for it. Uh-huh. Um, so I'm excited about about that. Some good shots and good characters. That was I very like too. <laughs> <laughs> um, hey, if you like, you like. I've like. like. I've <laughs> read. A- a few of the books now to prepare for this and just because because with time is like a big important yeah in in the canon of fantasy so i've tried to make missus to read them i like it it's not my favorite series anymore but i do like it and and i thought i like the earnestness of the show they seem to be really trying to you can tell the guy who makes it likes it a lot and that mm-hmm. comes through i think i love the episode with uh moiraine in the tower the the, the white tower in tarvalin 
and kind of following her journey. I thought that was that was one of my favorite ones of the year of any other TV show. So mm-hmm. the talent is there, yeah. and I want them to soar even higher this time. And as Monica says, she recommends go back and watch. I might. I have to. Okay. Now let's talk about something that we both know pretty well. And this is not exactly fantasy sci-fi, but whatever. It's not going to end again. And I want to talk about it. Uh, Succession, which you could argue was HBO's true successor to Game of Thrones. It's a bunch of rich folk trying to get a throne. Why not? Uh, yeah. Ended this past Sunday. And folk are calling this like the latest great HBO show. Um and some also some articles are already being like, what will HBO do now that secession is over? Which I'm I just roll my eyes at because they asked that uh, well, now the Game of Thrones is over. What are they gonna do? Now the is over. What are they gonna do? What are they gonna do? They'll find something. They always find something. Especially yeah. now, because they have House of the Dragon, The Last of Us, and Euphoria. It's like they're actually pretty or the White Lotus are actually pretty stacked. Yeah. Um, but succession, uh, the Roy family fighting to see who will succeed the throne of Waystar Royco, a Fox News like media conglomerate. It came to an end. Season four ended. Uh, Natalie, just did you have a impression of the finale? Did it satisfy you or did it leave you wanting? It satisfied me. I really, really enjoyed it. You know, this is something where it's like, I think you go into the finale knowing it's not going to have a happy ending, but it's also not going to have like a huge traumatic ending either. It's going to be kind of like, all right, they're sad again. And that's just their lives. (laughs) Like (laughs) they're never going to be happy. And then, yeah, it's not going to be like a big game of Thrones death or something like that. So I did it really well. And I'm just like, the weeks leading up to this, I realized how attached I am to the show. And I just feel like profoundly sad now that it's over. I'm I don't want them to keep going because I think they did a great job wrapping it up. But I I'm I'm sad that it's over. I really like the show. It's one of Succession is one of those shows like Game of Thrones that seemed had a way of like occupying space in your brain. Mm-hmm. Even when you weren't watching it, like it, it it took up a part of the mind and there is a sense of loss when it's over, especially because mm-hmm. I like the finale, too. We won't spoil the worst of it mm-hmm. there. Maybe just Game of Thrones rewired me because I don't know that there was I, I guess I was expecting something a little more definitive because really like they could do more. Like it's not like mm-hmm. the characters all die or anything. Like their lives continue, but obviously they turned a huge corner and none of them got this prize they'd been seeking. They tore themselves apart after they got together. It was very sweet watching them bond a little bit. These siblings yeah. only for and and I knew because it was like halfway done, like, well, this isn't gonna last. They're no. gonna sabotage themselves somehow. It was it, it was a really great show. The acting was terrific. I personally, I got very attached. My favorite Roy, now that I've seen all of them, I think is going to be Roman. Roman's my boy. (laughs) Roman's my guy. He's self-destructive. He's sarcastic. Uh, He hides his misery behind like a wall of um, off-putting jokes. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's just good. And Kieran Culkin is very sharp, like whip fast, whip sharp, whip smart. Um, with the deliveries, I, I, Roman, Roman's my favorite. How about you? Do you have a favorite, Roy? Definitely Kendall for better or for worse. 
it's not a great thing. Um, I do. So Roman really pisses me off, but I think he had the best ending. Definitely. Like I was happy for him. I feel like it was just like, he's miserable. Yes. It's like scales of miserable. Cause they all are like, you know, mm-hmm. none of them are going to be happy, but just, it kind of felt that closure of like, he's out of it now. He can kind of like make his own life. Shiv is never going to be out of it. And Kendall, no. he, he's not either just because of he's going to be in it in his mind. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, just, yeah. Like Kendall's never... out, but it's impossible for him to be out because he lives yeah. in the 24 seven. He's not actually inside the circle anymore. Exactly. <laughs> so I was happy for Roman. Um, but yeah, Kendall is my favorite. I know they're all terrible people, they really but I are. was rooting for him until the very end. <laughs> I, 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 I kind of wanted it to go through because even if he got what he wanted, Kendall, and again, we're talking in kind of generalities here. I, we're not mm. going to, unless you want us, we're not going to spoil that outright. Um, I feel like he still wouldn't have been happy. No, um, none of them would have been. They would no. have been like temporarily enjoyed. Um, so I don't know. I wanted that sense of relief for them, but I, I can't say that it was surprising that when Kendall was like re- reduced to arguing, he was the eldest boy. So I he know. deserves it. <laughs> like going full Game of Thrones, full on. Oh, yeah. Um, like so just Game ar- of Thrones, too, when they were like, you don't have a bloodline. I was like, oh, no. Like, there was like little, like, they're not little, but just so many, like, their dialogue is so good. And it's just like, oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, it's so good. Like in House of the Dragon, Rhaenyra's kids are not really Lanors, So, like, that's obviously a big Ooh, thing in succession. Yeah. They're, I don't know if they're not really his kids. Or, like, you know, they didn't really get into it but that one was adopted i knew that and i guess the yeah. other was like a previous from like a previous marriage with 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 rava the wife yeah but um it was rough it was great and i will miss it and it was very good throughout the show um we have someone saying that they're watching it in season two not loving it so much and it's, and it's, and it's not for everybody you know yeah but um the what when someone says like the writing on a show is good it can mean a few things. It can mean like structurally it's solid. It it fits, it flows. Succession had a way of playing with language and like having these fun insults and one-liners yeah. that really did feel unique. I liked that about it a lot. I thought it was firing on the writing side on all cylinders for a long time. So I'm going to say it's like, it's modern Shakespeare. I don't know what that means, but <laughs> um, it was very fun to watch and listen to. Oh, we got from Psych- from Psychonesia. Kendall might die. Rome might be a severe alcoholic now, and she was in a no win, no lose situation. Sacrifice what she wants to save her marriage with Tom and her baby, quite possibly. Yeah, mm-hmm. honestly, I, I looked at the Roman thing and I thought I, I wasn't relieved. I I was kind of afraid he might um find love at the bottom of a bottle. If you know what I'm talking about, but I guess we'll never know. I'm just secretly hoping he ends up with Jerry somehow. He ordered the martini. That's what she drinks. He's waiting for her. She's going to come. <gasps> it's going to be a rom-com. No. I love that. <laughs> I I was a, I don't usually ship. I, I'm not someone who like roots for couples. <laughs> I, I was rooting for Roman and Jerry. That was like, it was, uh-huh. it was too weird. It was too wrong. I did yeah. get on that very strange bandwagon, even though it was like, so it, 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 it was doomed from the start, but it was so it, I didn't expect it. I yeah. was just delighted by the strange chemistry whenever I watch it. That, that that's what got me on a Rowan's bandwagon, really. So thank you to Jerry for that, too. What a good show. And now it's over. And as Saiganisha says, they're going to debut the idol. 
yeah. which is going to be HBO's next thing, which is getting horrible reviews and <laughs> lots of bad press. Thank God. Um, I can't say I'm not kind of intrigued by all of it, by all the circus about it. Um, and if it wasn't HBO, I wouldn't be. I, I, I know that to be true. Mm-hmm. So I'm not, I can't promise I won't try it, uh, but we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Yes. I'm terrible because I'm going to watch it. Like I have to. <laughs> <laughs> it's also like for the views, come on. I feel like it's going to be popular, but I'm just hoping that if it's, if it's really that terrible and, you know, um, sexist and all of these really mm-hmm. bad things that they're saying, I hope that the reviews stay bad. Like even if it's popular, I hope the reviews at least stay bad because I know the creator, Sam Levinson, gets really bitter about bad reviews. (laughs) So that's what I'm hoping for. I saw an interview of him at Con and they were asking him like, oh, you know, did you see the Rolling Stone article, all the controversy, danced around the question. And then uh, it was so cringe. He just said, yeah, when I read the article, I looked at my wife and said, this is going to be the biggest show of the summer. I did hear that. (sighs) I was like, Jesus Christ, that's not how you answer that. But okay. <laughs> Traditionally, if I, I, I've noticed this, if like there's a movie and it comes out and the critics don't like it, but it becomes popular, it's a sequel. And then the sequel will be thought of as much worse by the general fan base who like the first one, but the critics like it this time because it feels like they've, oh, this is, I should like this. So <laughs> We'll see how the idol shakes out when it comes out. That Sam Levinson guy, he does just give off weird vibes, doesn't he? It's it's kind yeah. of like, don't leave him in a room with someone you like. Um, I n- I've never watched Euphoria. I might try it, but but we'll see. Yeah, because uh, he's really talented. I love Euphoria, but there are just so many problematic things that it's like, uh, feels weird. I don't know. We... I'm going to try it and, and we'll let you know what 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 we think, because I, I, I want to be part of the zeitgeist. Yeah, exactly. uh, so, we'll, so we'll get there. By the way, Saiganisha is saying that about succession again, I thought it meant that Kendall is infertile. That was might have been it. So they went hmm. with an IVF or with a sperm donors. So we can't get into the bloodline of his children. Roman did say that the one child, he said the one child was a buy in and the other was between Rava and a filing cabinet, which, again, is one of those great succession lines. The show is full of those. Yeah, um, it was so quick, too. You have to like yeah. rewind it to hear it. Okay, we should probably talk before we start making jokes I can't take back. And then finally, <laughs> Saganisha says, we got to remember to take a step back to see that while we are into succession and immense greatness, winning all those awards, not popular, highest viewership, 2.9 million, 30% of Us Dragon and, and The Last of Us. True, succession was not HBO's... Um, golden goose in terms of ratings although again it also cost a lot less to make than house of the dragon and the last true, of us yeah. which are you're spending zombie and dragon stuff on so i'm sure they made money on it just um yeah and again i did see a person the other day i was walking my dog wearing a kendall roy shirt <laughs> with like a collage from the 90s of like him in different poses so it got in people's heads and i'm glad it did because it deserves to i wonder if there can be like a non-franchise special effects driven show that hits the levels of a house the dragon or the last of us these days like just this just like a normal drama is that even possible anymore the Um, white lotus ish but the white lotus is quite popular yeah 
I mean, on Netflix, I know there's stuff uh, that I don't watch that that's that's very, very popular. It's just like okay. straight drama. <laughs> Emily in Paris. People yeah. like that, right? Lincoln Lawyer. The Night Agent. Like, broke the a night bunch agent. of pressure. There you go. Yeah. Not for me. That's okay. Work. <laughs> yeah, so I'm afraid that we, we, we're second nation. We, we like all this greatness. And um, <laughs> we'll just pat ourselves on the back for that. Uh, anyway... Good talk. Are you watching anything else, uh, Natalie, nowadays? I just finished Yellow Jacket season two. The oh, finale came out last weekend. Uh, it was so disappointing. I really oh. didn't like the season. Yeah. I mean, I had season one on like such a pedestal. I thought it was so good. And I really, really loved it. It was like near perfect. And then, cool. yeah, I just don't think they did a good job following it up. They, you know, introduced a bunch of new characters just because they needed new storylines. And it was, it didn't seem like they had things mapped out. Elijah Wood is in season two and I loved him. I always love him. Of and course. the performances are he good, was. but I don't know. Didn't really go anywhere. I'm not excited about season three, which is in the work. <laughs> I'm sorry for that. A, a, a classic <laughs> sophomore slump situation. Yep. yep. It happens sometimes. Um, I I wrapped up Succession. I got to wrap up Ted Lasso. I didn't watch the finale to that. I would have today, but just didn't get or yesterday. Haven't been able to get around to it. Um, and after that, I've I'm oh Barry was really good. That also ended on HBO. That was also a fun finale, very solid. Do you watch that show? I forget. No, I don't. I I've had trouble getting into it. Mm. I really love Bill Hader, but I don't know what it is. That definitely picked up as it went, but I'll admit it wasn't like the absolute peak of must-see TV. It was a good show, though, and a solid ending. Now I finally get to watch other stuff. I'm going to watch Mrs. Maisel, the final season. Mm. I can finally watch the final season of Better Call Saul, because that's on Netflix now, and I haven't gotten around yeah. to that. And then this month, I'm going to have to watch... I don't necessarily want to watch all of this, but I'm going to be watching... i got to watch The Witcher Season 3 when that comes out. Yeah. Um, I'm probably going to watch the Secret Invasion show and review that. We got Black Mirror coming out. We got Ashley Hurst going to review The Walking Dead Dead City on Wick. That's coming out. Nice. Um, we're looking for someone to review the second season of Star Trek Strange New World. It's the only one I haven't staffed yet. If anybody's interested, feel free to sound off. Um, are you uh, looking forward to anything this month? Because there is quite a lot on the horizon. Black Mirror, definitely. I think that will be my big thing this month. Um, or and tomorrow is June, but yeah, this month. Um, I think that's really the biggest thing for me. Yeah, makes sense. Oh, and um, Robert Harris mentioned Silo, which yes, Daniel that's is the fair. only one watching Silo, but Robert, it's because there's too much else to watch. <laughs> what? When can I watch this? Uh, um, I want to watch, watch Severance too on Apple TV yeah. Plus. It's another, but maybe I'll do Silo first. I don't know. Um, it's hard to fit everything in. I'm Severance just a. Uh, I've heard Severance is great. Daniel loves the crap out of Severance. He was putting yeah. like a high, high in his rankings. It um, took me a little bit to get into it, a few episodes, and then I was like, okay, no, this is really good. And maybe if Silo finished out the first season, great. I'll put that on my list too. But yes, next up is Severance, Mrs. Maisel, Better Call Saul. It's already so much. The Witcher, um, your favorite. The Witcher, I'm going to... like. Okay, so like all the shows that I mentioned are like watching dinner with my partner like premiere shows the witcher i'll burn off <laughs> while i like answer emails uh later that night 
So it, it'll at least be, I'm, I'm not going to like if I full attention to it, but I, I will watch it because I should. Um, and who knows, maybe it'll be great, but probably almost, I would, I will eat a hundred dollar bill if The Witcher is great. <laughs> <laughs> Season three is really good. All right. Live on camera. That. Yeah, we mm-hmm. have the footage. <laughs> yeah, we have the footage. Call me out on it. That's how confident I am. All right. So before we reach that, why don't we wrap up this episode of Take the Black Live with the signature Wick News Lightning Round, where we get 20 seconds to answer um, just a number of queries about stuff we didn't have time to talk about in the main body of the show. Natalie, are you ready to play? Yes. All right. Um, I'm going to ask you stuff first, then you ask me, and I arrange these with the idea that we wouldn't get things we can't answer and don't know about. Okay. All right, <laughs> Natalie, 20 seconds on the clock. Uh, Pedro Pascal, star of literally everything, mm-hmm. has revealed that pretty much he's no longer ever on the set of The Mandalorian. He's only doing the voice now, and John Wayne's grandson is in the suit doing the stunts. Yeah, so we kind of knew this already, right? But yeah. I guess Pedro did the uh, Hollywood Reporter roundtable and sneakily out of that whole interview was like, yeah, I, you know, do most of the voice and then talked about how not having to be there opened up The Last of Us filming. He was out filming when, you know, they did The Mandalorian. So it makes sense. I mean, yeah. do we really need him? It does All make right. sense. Yeah. Yeah. All right, next up, Boimler, played by Jack Quaid, and Mariner, played by Tawny Newsom from Star Trek Lower Decks, appear in live action in season two of Strange New Worlds. And there's the photo. Yeah, so I mean, I'm not a giant Star Trek guy, but I do know they have 80 shows on right now. And these two characters are in an animated series called Lower Decks, and that's the actors who play them. And now the the their animated character, they're going to play the live action versions of the animated characters they voice in a different Star Trek show. And that's neat. I think that's neat, um, especially if you're into crossovers and stuff. So I probably won't watch, but good for Trek fans. That's a nice little treat for you. Um, here's a fun one, uh, Natalie. I'm not sure if if you're you probably aware of the history, but Nicolas mm-hmm. Cage, who at one point was going to play Superman, there's even photos of this in a movie in an aborted movie from the '90s. Mm-hmm. will play Superman in The Flash alongside Ezra Miller and Michael Keaton and all those people. Yeah, yeah. So like you said, Nick Cage was supposed to play Superman in the 90s. So like good for him. I feel like <laughs> nowadays the MCU and the DC universe, all they do is these cameos and they've already spoiled this mm-hmm. one. So yeah. I don't know. I'm not going to see the movie, but I am a Nick Cage fan. So happy for him. Happy for his fan about it <laughs> i'd see it if i get into free i'm seeing um the spider-verse movie for free tonight i'm so, excited for that <laughs> and i'll give it a great review so if you want a, a great review for the flash just invite me to a a screening <laughs> and i i will gladly give it an a plus i don't even care um okay moving on oh mm. this is all oh it, it, it's you Okay. <laughs> George R. R. Martin appears on the WGA picket line with Neil Gaiman and Nettie Okorafor. And there's the photo. Yeah. Pretty cool, right? Uh, so George R. R. Martin for, for the writer's strike in his native New Mexico with Neil Gaiman or the Sandman and Nettie Okorafor, who wrote Who Fears Death, which Martin is helping her turn to an HBO show. It's not going to happen now because writers are on strike. Um, just cool to see him on the picket line. You know, he was a writer in Hollywood for years. It's not, a, he's still writing the book. He's not on strike from the book. I mean, not. <laughs> Not like formally anyway, Uh, but he is trying to get TV writers a better deal. 
good for him. And another fun photo one, um, Carice Van Houten, who played Melisandre on Game of Thrones, got arrested at a climate protest in The Hague, and her sign says, the night is dark and full of fossil fuels. Aha. Yes, I love this. I mean, not happy cool. she got arrested, but yeah, this is pretty bad. Yeah, she was protesting in the Netherlands, and of course, her sign is a nod to Melisandre, the night is dark <laughs> of Full, yeah, night is dark and full of terror. Um, so I love this. I remember I saw this on Twitter instantly. Like, not happy she got arrested, but happy she's doing the right thing. Love that. Yeah, good for Carice. And a great character to um, be associated with. Like, if people think mm-hmm. that you're implacable and intimidating and can kill them with magic, they're not going to mess with you. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. Me. Next one. Joe Abercrombie's book, Best Serve Cold, is getting turned into a movie. Okay. Again, this one is better for Daniel because he reads books, but Joe Abercrombie, <laughs> I haven't read it, but he's a big fantasy author. I yeah. know his name. I know his work. And he's written a thing called The First Law Trilogy, which is very, very popular. Maybe I'll read it. I don't know if I have time. Um, but he's getting a, a standalone novel in the First Law universe, trying to do a movie. And it's just great to see other fantasy authors getting the Hollywood treatment. Like Brandon Sanders finally getting it. Now this guy's getting it. We've yeah. wanted more since the Game of Thrones boom. And maybe this is going to open the door for, you know, Gaiman's got more stuff coming um, and I'll stop talking now, but good for Drew Abercrombie and good for fantasy adaptations. And finally, I don't know if you heard the story yet, but it's a weird one. Okay, so I'll try to summarize it. A disgruntled former chef who like worked in a hotel attacked Benedict Cumberbatch's home with a fish knife, just like a knife for eating fish, like, like a utensil, um, screamed like, I hope your house burns down. I know you moved here. And then was fined and got a restraining order against him. We don't know why. We don't know what the beef was. Yes, I read this story on winnerscoming.net. Um, and what the hell? And Benedict Cumberbatch, <laughs> his wife, and his kids were home when this happened. Yep. So that's scary, but they're okay. So happy for them. And I hope this guy does not try to come back because what what are you doing, dude? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure he knows, but um, he he definitely did that thing. And that's our show. Everybody, thanks for watching. Um, Natalie, thank you so, so, so much for being here. You are always a delight and a pleasure to speak to, whether online or off. Um, And next week is probably going to be Daniel Roman's return, uh, unless something unexpected happens. He should be back next week. But thanks again. Thanks to Camilla, who filled in last week. And we're here every week at 2 p.m. Central Standard Time. That's uh, 3 Eastern, 1 Mountain, noon Western. I still can do that correctly. Here on the Winter is Coming Facebook page and the Winter is Coming YouTube page with more of this kind of thing. Isn't that fun? Um, so download us on iTunes, Google Play, wherever podcasts are available to listen to us without the live show. Come back and watch us live. Visit the website, give us a like and subscribe, and I pronounce this show over. <laughs> this podcast is brought to you by Fansighted. Join our community of over 300 sites from sports to pop culture and everything in between. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes. Ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. 
With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. Probably the easiest thing I've ever done. The medication comes in the mail and it's very easy to use. I've been able to live my normal lifestyle and I've lost 20 pounds already and I've never felt better. It changed my life. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.